0: Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church Podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. we're glad you are here today at Trinity Baptist Church. We will listen for the sound of little teeth chattering and see if they keep their promise. I have my doubts. We'll see. I know I would not have been able to resist that once upon a time. Let me pray for us as we uh, enter into worship today. God, we thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you for life and health and all the blessing that goes into our presence here today. God, we need your help among us today to understand what's beyond our capacity to understand, to feel what is beyond the capacity of words to explain, and for your love for us, to be known down to our bones. God, it's something only you can do, and we ask you to work that in our midst, in our minds, in our souls today. In your name we pray, amen. We today are in our second week of this series called Growing Together, a vision for Trinity Baptist Church, where we're not really giving a new vision for Trinity Baptist Church. I'm not the smartest Uh, tool in the shed, which is a metaphor that doesn't make sense at all. Sharpest tool in the shed. That's how that goes. Um, I know enough not to change direction on things six months in. But we're looking at the the vision that's been handed down to Trinity Trinity Baptist Church uh, through the years. We talked last week about our vision for seekers to become believers, for believers to become disciples. That for all of us, we are somewhere, every person alive is somewhere on that continuum. At some point in their life, there will be a moment where they have a curiosity, a concern, a worry, a a something about God, and and they need people there to help explore that. And then we're on this continuum of, of knowing Jesus, following Jesus, growing to maturity in our faith. This is our vision, to be on this journey ourselves with our families and help others along the way. This week, we start looking at the four promises Trinity Baptist Church makes to one another. And we kind of make this in reciprocal nature. We as a church make it to you, the members, but the church is really only the members. There is no church. So it's something we make to one another. We, we covenant uh, to, to grow, that we will grow in love. the wording for these have been shifted over the years, so I'm told a little bit, but the meaning is the same. We will grow spiritually, or as we'll talk about last week, we will grow in Christ's likeness. We will grow in community or friendship together, and we will grow in service, in mission to our world. This is what we'll be talking about together these next few weeks. When I set this series, I thought, oh, preaching about love will be really easy. That'll be the easiest one of these. And I have to tell you, it may be the hardest, most difficult to come together sermon I have preached in a very long time. Love is something we all know about, and yet we can spend our life pursuing, our life studying, or our life looking at what Scripture has to say about it and never quite get it. Just the, the how and the what Of love and not any love, but God's love. And here's the question that it's just, it's in the vision, but I'm just, I've had trouble wrapping my mind around it this week. How does one grow in love? I mean, this is our promise that we will do this together, but how does that practically happen? How do you grow? In love. I mean, if you're in a small group this week or or at lunch with your family or friends, that may be a question. Like, what was a point in your life where you took a leap forward in love? You you loved in a different way. What what were the circumstances surround that? What was going on in your life? What did what did that look like? I know my kids are back there. If I told my kids, you guys grow in loving one another, is that gonna work? No. Not at all. The only thing that's going to grow in that moment is irritation at their dad, and probably the reaction would not be a loving reaction if I demanded that they grow in love. There's a temptation for the preacher every week to just tell you to do more, right, or just be better. <laughs> so it, it was tempting this week to say, grow in love. Just y'all, Dang it, y'all, be more loving. That's all you need to do. Love more. Love better. Be better. That's all that we really need to do. But does that actually increase love? No, it doesn't. So this is the question we're going to explore together. How does one grow in love? So from the beginning... We're going to be in first John 4 here in a little bit together. but from the beginning we need to define love. I talked about this in a sermon back in April. I'm sure all of you remember it very very well um, where we talked about love over shame and we looked at First Corinthians and we talked about how in, in English love is just a kind of a flat word. It has a lot of meaning. But that doesn't really help us understand love as God gives it to us. Because I can say, I love my wife, which is true. And I can say, I love God, which is true. And I can say, I love tacos, which is also true. But those loves are very different from one another, aren't they? All the same word, all meaningful, all very, very different. There are gradations of this. And it's very base, if we're going to define love, what we might say is to love something is to be glad it exists. I love breakfast tacos. I truly do. It shows, right? You can tell. Yeah, you look. Yeah, yeah. That guy eats some tacos. I'm glad they exist. I love each and every one of you. I love this church. I'm glad it exists. And but the the gradations of that kind of go up from there. There are things we treasure some a little more intimately and passionately than others, but that's kind of a basis for love. The, the Bible in Greek talks about different types of love, kind of brotherly love or friendship love, sisterly love, is what how we feel for friends that we have. Are we glad they exist? Yes. Do we have affection for them? Yes. Do we desire their good? Most of the time, yes. In brotherly, sisterly love, friendship type love. We have romantic love, which is a little bit different, right? It's friendship with this other level of desire and intimacy on that. It's, it's closer, it's, it's a little, it's that, but it's more, right? That desire, that feeling, that commitment, that blessing of one another is a little bit different level of intimacy. And then we have love as it is in the passage today throughout much of the New Testament is the term agape, which you may have heard this before. This is a, a thing a lot, you know, it's been talked about a lot. It's probably not something something new for you, but it is what C.S. Lewis calls the highest form of love. And it's one of those things that's kind of hard maybe to define, or at least for me, um, but I would maybe say this. Agape is profound, sacrificial love that persists and transcends. So it it is deep and it is profound. There's a well of affection and emotion on agape love, which is the type of love God has for us. We're gonna talk about today and the love we should seek to have one another. So it's profound, it's deep. It is sacrificial in nature. It, It seeks not my pleasure, it seeks not my good necessarily, but it seeks the others, the one I love, the one we love. And agape, we seek that, the good of the other, and it also persists and transcends. There is something of God in this, and just because I'm having a bad day or I'm feeling well or just because you may have offended me or been mean to me today or whatever it is, agape persists in that. These other loves ebb and flow at times. This type of love persists. And so as we talk about love here today, this is the type of love we're talking about, right? Not just brotherly love, not just romantic love, not just love as you might see in in movies or TV, not just sort of a like that we uh, use the term love. We really just mean like. No, this self-giving love, this sacrificial love. We're going to look at 1 John As I thought about how to talk about love and how we might vision about this together, this text came to mind, and I want to read it for us in 1 John 4, 7 through 10 today. And it it says this. It's up on the screen, and if you've got your Bibles with you, your phones, you can follow along. 1 John 4, 7 through 10. I guess I should flip to it too, right, if I'm going to read it? 1 John 4, 7 through 10. Beloved. It's a great way to start, right? Fellow loved, those who are in love with one another. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this love, in, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I'll go with just a couple more. Though we won't get there today. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So we have love all over the place in this ver- these verses. Love back and forth. But we can, I think, learn something about how we are to grow in love if we track the forms of love, the words of love that that John has for this congregation here in this passage. I mean, first it starts out by saying, let's show love because love is from God. Let's show love because love is from God. Anyone who loves God loves others. So love comes from God to us. Anyone who knows God is in relationship to God. The logical outflow of that is if we know the person that is love, it comes from him, then we will show love with our life. It kind of lays down a gauntlet here and then goes a step further to say, in fact, anyone who does not show love, who does not love, does not know God. So so love, this sacrificial love, agape love, is the mark of one who has been changed by God. It, It should be tattooed on us, stamped on us, a mark of our life together. Is our life marked by love? This is the challenge that comes down first in this text. And then we come to this maybe the most radical or among the most radical claims of Christianity that's just really the last half of one sentence in this verse. God is love. This is the part of this that my words can't accurately explain or emphasize enough the radical nature of this claim. That God is not a being who loves, that God doesn't show love, that's not what it's saying, or that God acts in loving ways, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that God is love. Therefore, anything God does is love and loving. Therefore, any inkling of love, any tiny experience of love we have here on earth is a reflection of God. This is an astounding claim, for much of the PR about God is not about his love. Much of what we show of God to the world, and that's how the world knows God, is through his people, would not always be characterized as love. But if John is to be believed, and he is, then love is the essence of God. Love is the being of God. God is love, a being so kind, a being so benevolent, a being that is love that he, he looks forward into time and speaks you and I into existence. Because remember, to love is to be glad something exists. Out of God's love, creation itself springs into being. For if God is love, love has to be given. Love has to be shared. It's natural for that to happen. So God creates all that is out of God's love. God reaches into time and creates you and me for a purpose, for a reason, because God loves. And we also know for love to be fulfilled, what has to happen? It it has to be given and received. We don't necessarily add to God, but this love is amplified when he gives us the opportunity to love him and respond to this love with love of our own. God is love. And he loves us by creating us, by providing for us. It goes on, this is how God is fully known that he sent his son into the world. It'll say in another verse just after this, Uh, not just into the world, but in the world to be be a propitiation for our sins, a big fancy word I had to look up to make sure I knew what it meant. It's a really fancy one. My wife's a speech therapist. I needed her help just to say that word uh, carefully today. I mean, it means that someone did something for someone else that they could not do on their own, that God sent his son into the world to, to do something for us that we could not do on our own that results in our good. There was separation between us and God because of sin and brokenness in the world. So God sent his son, which is to say, a very part of himself into the world, to die for sin so that we might live, so that we might know forgiveness, so that we might share in the love of God and, and the life of God, so that we might live through him. This is love. And it goes one last thing. This is love. The point is not that we love God. That is great. We need to love God. But that's really not the point. The really majestic point here is that God loves us. That's the miracle, that God loves us and that God is love. So much to soak in in this passage. But it still brings us back to our question. How do we grow in love? How do we become more loving? Which is to say, how do we be more like God if God is love? I think it's it's really simple. We can't will ourselves to be more loving. We can choose to do more loving things for a time, but that doesn't really make us more loving. That just means we've done more loving things. Sometimes that's love. Sometimes that's obligation. Sometimes that's guilt. That's other things. We grow more loving by more fully embracing the love God has for us. If God is love, then the only way to grow in that, to in our love, is by understanding more how much we are loved. You know, I've done enough pastoral counseling and just lived long enough now to know most of us struggle to know, like know down to our bones, that we are loved, that we are worthy of love. And even when we find love in any sort, we're deeply afraid we're going to lose it. Even when we have love, we dream about its loss. (laughs) Our subconscious is terrified of this. If we could have one freeing thought that, that would change our past and change our futures and change our present, it would be to know how deeply God loves us. And then love might grow within us, if we are to grow in God's love, we would do well to just sit and read this verse every day, two or three times a day, until it just bowls us over with its goodness. If it doesn't already do so, we would do well to sit and dwell and think of what are the ways God has loved me and my people today? Is there air for us to breathe? Is there air condition in South Texas? Is there life in our veins today? I mean we could start really small and grow from there. There's always things we can complain about. There's always things we struggle to understand. But there's always more things, more things we can point to of God's love for us today. Because God loves us and he's glad we exist and he lavishes life. He lavishes blessing. He lavishes provision. He sets this whole world up in creation, up in balance for us to have a flourishing life here. To know God loved us, he created us. He sustains us. He delights in you and in me like we are his precious children. He he loves knowing what we do. He loves the way we're living our lives. He, He loves us even when we're living in ways that don't honor him. I've said this before, I'll say it today, I'll say it again and again and again. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us, love us less. We should dwell on it, think on it, obsess over it, abide in God's love till that reality that God loves us, excuse me, soaks into our bones, down into our DNA till the smallest parts of us that can be considered us are immersed in the reality that we are known and loved by God. I think we will only grow in love when we can embrace that we are loved. Because anything we do before then can have differing motives. But once we know deep down God loves us, I mean, it, it wells up within us. We're changed. We're transformed. It lives in us. And so everything we do, once we know we are loved, has an aspect of God's love with it. We grow as we embrace and as we receive. We embrace God's love. And then what do we do? We live in the way God's love is shown, which is to say a cruciform shape or a a cross-shaped love. We see the highest expression of God's love that Jesus, part of God's very self, his son, came down and gave himself for us. And so as we embrace God's love, we seek to live that way. We live in ways that sacrifice so that others may have. We live in ways that doesn't make more of us or build monuments to us or make much of our life, build our life up, accumulate for us. We live in such a way that, that others are blessed through who we are, that we make less of ourselves to make more of God and that others might live. We live this cross-shaped life that does lives in such a way so that others receive blessings that they may or may not be able to know on their own. This is how we grow in love. We embrace love that God has for us. We dwell on it. We obsess over it till we are changed. And then we seek to live as Jesus lived, this cross-shaped love. The challenge for us as a church, as we, visit about our life together and our vision. And this promise that we will grow in love is, y'all, if we've made this promise to one another, we can accept nothing less than love in our midst. I mean, it doesn't mean we won't disagree. And it doesn't mean we won't have some tense times or or even some arguments here and there. But there's ways to disagree and, and argue and discuss together that are loving. There are ways to do, though, that still seek the better of the other, that still seek to bless even as we do that. But but what it means is we draw a line as a church and say, there is no room for anything other than love in our dealings with one another. And that everything we put on our calendar and everything that, that we spend money on and everything that, that we invest energy and time in should be to increase Love should be to serve others, should be to help people know they are loved no matter what is going on in their life. And whenever anything other than love, when any judgment, when any condemnation, when any meanness or mean-spiritedness crops up, we root it out. We seek forgiveness. We seek to confess when it's in our own lives because if we promise to love one another, then we can accept nothing less in our midst. This is the challenge. That even when we don't like each other, <laughs> and certainly when we do, we will seek to love one another well in the way of Jesus for the world. This is our challenge. Love is the way of God. Even more, God is love. And mysteriously, God is absolutely loving us always we should settle for nothing less than the way of god's love among us let me pray for us god help us to scoop out of our lives any lies that make us feel anything less than loved pride, shame, guilt, misplaced condemnation. God, root them out of our minds. Replace them with the joy you have in us because we exist and we are yours. Transform us not through rules not through obligations, but through your love. And help us, as we know love, to share it with others. In your name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church Podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.